Well, today's scripture reading is from Acts 2, 37 through 47. In addition to your own Bible, you may find it on the back side of your message notes or beginning on page 799 in, the, in your worship Bible. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Appreciate that. That's the story of the very first Christian church. A lot of times you go into a community and it says first Christian this or first of that. This really is the first Christian church. It's how they were born and it's what they were like. And it's beautiful for me to think about this fledgling infant community and to think also about our own church family and the opportunity we have to be a church like them some two millennia afterward. It's a very significant story that we're reading as we pick up the study of the book of Acts. Now, as a way of introducing this morning's message, I want to tell you just a little bit about the road trip that Donna and I took through the Midwest this past this past week. Our nephew was married in southeastern Ohio, and we took the opportunity while we were there to visit some important family and friends along the way. Donna's family in the Chicago area, my missionary brother in Michigan, uh, Doug and Rhonda Price, who led our mission trip to Honduras last year and lives in Ohio. On a brief visit to uh, some of our friends in Indiana where we first pastored our church, first church uh, many, many years ago. Great whirlwind trip that we took in addition to being there for my uh, nephew's wedding on Saturday a week ago. It was a great, a great trip. But along the way, we had the chance to share in some beautiful church communities, which, while very different from our own, share a common bond because of Jesus Christ. On Thursday, a week ago past, for example, we got to visit a Bible study group 
at the Elm Street Church of the Brethren in Lima, Ohio. It's the church that my good friend Doug Price is the pastor of. I've known him since I was in second grade, and he was the past, his dad was the pastor of the church my family attended when I was a kid. Donna and I have known him since we were since she moved there in 1915. We they come out to visit us every other year or so, and they always say, "Come out and see us." And it's been 30 years, and we thought about time we probably should go out to see them where they are. We enjoyed that, and we visited the church where he pastors. It's an inner city church where many of the members are under underemployed. We visited a, a racially mixed and economically diverse Bible study group of 10 or so people as they studied the book of Romans together. It was a great experience to be in that, chair, that church together. And while I was there that day, Doug showed me their brand new bike ministry. Now, when we say bike ministry, we mean something different than what they have. They have a, 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 a bike ministry where they provide bicycles for people who have no other means of transportation. People donate them, they fix them, they repair them, they take care of them for them so that people are able to get to work or wherever it is that they're able to go. In the six months since they began this ministry, they've given away more than 145 bicycles which have been donated. And it's a ministry that they're doing there in uh, Lima, Ohio, where, where that church exists. I loved to see that, that fascinating ministry, very much like our own, and that it's just finding a way to do what is in front of you in the community and be a part of that community. We loved the welcome and the friendliness of this Bible study group, and I especially enjoyed hearing a 93-year-old black man, in words I could hardly understand, read, from the, read a verse from the first chapter of Romans as we were studying it together. When he first arrived there about 4.45 that day, that man had already shown up for the 7 o'clock Bible study, which meets that evening. So they left inside the church. Doug and I and, and Donna went and had dinner together, came back. Um, I want to call him Curtis. Donna, is that the right name? Curtis, 93-year-old man, and I just thought of the, the different world that both of us have lived in, and that we share such a common bond in Jesus Christ. I could hardly hardly uh, even think of the words as he thought about them, think about words written by the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago, perhaps, and there he is reading them, and I'm reading them, and they have shaped the life of Christian communities ever since Paul wrote them, and they shaped his life as well. Uh, as my brother in Christ read those ancient words of Paul, I thought, what a blessing to be a part of this community this evening. The following Sunday morning, right after my nephew's wedding, we went to his, um, his bride's home church in the rural hills of Pennsville, Ohio. Her dad is the pastor, part-time pa uh, the volunteer pastor of a 150-year-old church, which he and his family reopened there down from their home in 1990 or so. And Donna got the joy of ringing the bell at the start of the church service uh, that morning in that, in that old-fashioned church that there. Uh, and the pastor, noting that our group who was there for the service with him had nearly doubled the size of their small congregation, began by saying, God uses small congregations to accomplish great things. And I thought myself how much I agree with that as I thought of our own group of a handful of people meeting in the Buffalo Chip Saloon in August five years ago, wondering whether God would ever give us a chance to have a, a, a faithful ministry here. Uh, uh, and I thought how, yes, God does love small churches and small small beginnings and uh, I, uh, and, and, and I, it was a non-instrumental church where they have no instruments in that service and so the pastor led the music in a beautiful voice
voice. And in a non-instrumental church, there's nothing to lean back on. You either sing or listen to silence, right? And so everybody's singing in this church. And I thought it was beautiful as we sang, Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence, my light. We sing that here in our church. And I thought, here we are singing this Celtic tune in the rural hills of Ohio. And we sing in the Buffalo, the Cowboy Church in Cave Creek. And it's been sung by uh, many people. It was sung at Cal... These people, they, when they walk away, I'm hoping they're going into the buffalo chip. They may just be leaving on me. Callie, you're in there, I know. We sang it at your wedding, didn't we? You remember that? Yeah. We were, we were at, at her wedding a couple of years ago. Her and Adam just moved here. That's Lori and Martins. Lori, who sings with me, their daughter and son-in-law. They got married here a few years ago. They always said they're going to move to Arizona, and now they have. We sang Be Thou My Vision. So there you go. This song that unites us all together. And as we shared the Lord's table together, I thought again of the diversity between the Bible study I had attended on Thursday evening and the worship I attended that Sunday morning. A diversity united by the body and blood of Jesus Christ and the community which his death birthed when he was raised from the dead. That same Sunday evening, we scurried our way across Ohio to get to Dillman, Indiana, to the rural community where I had first served, where Donna and I had first served as a senior pastor, clear back in 1985, 30, 95, 32 years ago. Crazy. Only 25 years old we were when we started to serve that church. Uh, and I couldn't help but be astounded to consider that our own three children are now older than we were when we first started to pastor that church. What did they think of letting us be their pastor at such a young age, you know? We served in that church, and they, they, those people welcomed me with open arms. A long, blonde-haired, guitar-playing preacher from the West Coast who showed up in rural Indiana. They loved me from the beginning beginning to the end, and when Larry, whose home in, in whose home we stayed, uh, and Amy said, he says, Steve, it's like a breath of fresh air, like there's just no break in time, and in fact, that's how we felt. It's been, uh, well, 1992 since we last visited those, those people. Though they gave to us memories we've cherished for a lifetime. We had a fantastic evening together, a fellowship and food, for you know how country folk like to cook. And everybody brought three things to eat, you know, homemade, of course. And I tried to eat as much of it that I could uh, just in case someone was watching. And it was all so wonderfully excellent. I enjoyed that. We reminisced about our time together. And they were eager to hear what I've been, what I've been doing. And I was so proud to tell them about you, the crazy church that meets outdoors behind a saloon in Cave Creek, Arizona, the cowboy church at the chip. And they all said, we'd love to go to that church. We'd love. And they reminded me that I had gotten my first cowboy uh, uh, the first time I ever rode a horse in church was at that church at their 100th anniversary homecoming in 1988. They had me riding on a horse in, in, in what felt to me like a costume back then, but now it's clothes I actually wear, you know, you know the, the long frock and the preacher costume and all that sort of thing. And they reminded me of that and felt that they were a part of this some 30 years later. Yes, the three very different communities an impoverished inner city church, an a cappella family church in the foothills of the Appalachians, a rural church in Indiana, and a cowboy church born in a saloon. But we're all connected. We're all brothers, sisters, 
We're family together, united by one thing, Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life and rose from the dead for us. For you see, Jesus didn't just die to save sinners, although of course he meant to do that. He died to make a whole new family, to bring together disparate groups, no longer separated by economic and or, or geographic or ethnic background, but rather brought together, as the book of Ephesians says, as one new manner, one new humanity in Christ, restoring what had been broken by the world's sin many generations before. That's what Jesus had come to do, not just to save and to whisk us off to heaven someday, but rather to save and to make us a whole new community where we live in this world the way God meant for this world to be lived in when we first placed humans in the first garden and said cultivate, take care of it, be fruitful and multiply. And he meant for them to do that under his lordship and guidance. But they, in their idiocy, decided that God who had given them life didn't know how to tell them how to live their lives. And so consequently we have a world all mixed up with all the raw and beautiful resources that God has given to us, instead used to take advantage of others and to build walls between us and other people. Instead, Jesus came down to break down the wall of partition and to bring us all together. And so this past week, while I come to you, I can bring you greetings from, Apple, from southeastern Ohio, from Indiana, from Michigan, from everywhere I was, because we're all part of that family together. This is the point of what's going on here in the first couple chapters. And in fact, the whole rest of the New Testament. Because we see in Acts and throughout the remainder of the New Testament, this glorious story, how the resurrection of Jesus wasn't the end, but the beginning of God's new restoration work, that God was bringing about new creation through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that that new creation would occur in the first place among his people, whom he would give to, his, to whom he would give his spirit, so that they could then be empowered by his spirit to live the way God wanted for them to live. And so the rest of the New Testament is telling, about, uh, telling us about God's new creation project. Because as I said, Jesus didn't just die to rescue sinners so we could go to heaven, though of course he meant to do that. He died to rescue all of creation and to right what has been wrong in this world ever since humans first disobeyed God and created their own culture without God, finding their identity outside of God. He died to rescue all of creation and to build on this earth a little slice of his kingdom until that final day when Jesus would come down and restore and renew and remake this whole world with us in it and he living among us. That's the vision that we look forward to, and it's a vision that we're a part of, a new community of rescued people who become, as our church purpose statement says, living witnesses of God's new creation in Christ Jesus by becoming a community of faith and love and hope. Or as the song we sang at the beginning, we do quite often here, we are called to faith, gathered in love, sent with hope to change the world, ecclesia, church, at the chip, 
whether Indiana, Ohio, or Arizona, we are brothers and sisters because of Jesus Christ. Whether white or black or Mexican, we are brothers or sisters because of Jesus Christ. Whether in the U.S. or in Honduras or in Somalia or anywhere else in the world, we are brothers and sisters because of Jesus Christ. Whether in 2017 or 1987 or all the way back to the day of Pentecost in about 30 or 32 A.D., when the Spirit was birthed into the, when the Spirit of life first when the Spirit first breathed life into God's new creation community on the day of Pentecost, we're all part of the family of God because of Jesus Christ. <sighs> you see what a beautiful story you're a part of? You see what a beautiful adventure your life is one small part of? You see what a wonderful thing God is doing in the world? to use you as a part of his divine renewal project. Do you see how important our little gathering on this Sunday morning is as we try to find a new way living differently in the world around us as we share fellowship? What a beautiful thing it is that we're all brothers and sisters because of Jesus Christ, and that's the story that Acts is telling. You've started to read it in the New Creation Project. You're in about Acts 6 or 7, 7, I think, on Friday. And if you haven't been reading it, this would be a great time to start. Pick up an Acts and start to read through this book as we see the, the miraculous birth of this new family, which was birthed against all odds. It should never have survived. And yet it did all the same because of the life of Jesus Christ, which had been given through his spirit to his people. And they had a story to tell, which transformed the world. So that within 200 years, the whole world was turned upside down by this story of God's beautiful rescued Beautiful, broken, rescued, and ultimately renewed creation because of Jesus Christ. Well, I knew when I did this that I was taking way too long to introduce my topic, but I could not resist helping you see the beauty of this story. And as Cheryl read that text for us, she read us the opening photograph, like the first picture you ever had of your newborn baby or your newborn grandchild. Do you remember when you first got that picture? You first saw them. This is the picture that Cheryl read for us earlier. Let me quickly go through what's going on in the first couple of chapters of Acts as we consider the birth of God's new creation community, the growth of God's new creation community, and the characteristics of God's new creation community. I've described the bigger picture of it all, but now let's see what the gospel, what the book of Acts is telling us about these three things. First of all, it tells us about the birth of God's new creation community. It's the culmination of a long and epic story that had its beginnings clear back in the first book of the Bible when God made this world and put humanity in this world and gave to them the mandate to care for and nurture and to build culture in this creation, the beautiful creation that God had made. But humanity, as you know, rebelled against God, and so God's beautiful creation was marred and broken by human rebellion. Consequently, no, lo no longer was the 
harmony between us and God, between us and our inner selves, between our, us and our neighbors, and, be us and, and between us and our world and the culture that we create. And so the world was broken, and God began to rescue it by calling Abraham, through whom he built a family of Israel, to whom he gave his covenant promise, and in whom ultimately the person of Jesus was born as the ultimate final faithful Israelite who died under the weight of the world's sin but was raised from the dead so that new creation could come right here in the middle of this broken down decaying world. Yes, this is the birth of the new creation community and the disciples had asked him in the first chapter of this, of this book, Lord, is it, are we done yet? Are we done yet? Is it now? Lord said, no, we're not done. He didn't say it this way, but I hear it this way. No, we're not done. We're just getting started. This is the beginning of a brand new day, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the world. And then Jesus went to assume his rightful place on the throne of God. And the angels looked at down. This is in Acts chapter 1. Looked down and said, guys, why are you looking at this? <laughs> why, are you, why are you looking up in the heavens? Go do what Jesus told you to do. So they went in, the, in the, uh, the, the room and they prayed until ultimately the Spirit came. And like wildfire, the gospel of Jesus Christ began to spread. This is the story of the birth of God's new creation community. When ultimately on the day of Pentecost in chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came on them and rejuvenated them. And they began to speak the words and the goodness of God to all people. And they have the church has not stopped doing it since. That's the birth of God's new creation community. It's so vital in our individualistic, consumeristic, me first, iMac, iPad, iPod, iMe world, right? To realize that you don't have that option when you became a follower of Jesus. Jesus made you a we. He made you a part of a community. He's building a whole new family. It's not all about us and finding the church that best helps us. No, it's about being a part of what God is doing in the world. And that's what God was doing, was creating this community of serving to bring the good news about Jesus throughout the world as they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so um, they were born that day. I can't help but think about birth of my grandchildren when I think about the birth. And I think about our little four-month-old grandson and his three-year-old sister. And I'm thinking about the fact that only three years ago, she looked like him. You know, she was little like him. And, of course, she's still little now. But she is so much bigger than she was. Life has changed every single day. That's why we try to get there as often as we can. We don't want to miss a single moment because that's what life does. It grows and it multiplies. And, the God, and God's new creation and community grew and multiplied rapidly, rapidly. And even as the text which Cheryl said in the church, the Lord added to the number daily such as would be saved. And throughout this gospel, this book of Acts, we find the gospel of breaking down barriers, going where no one expected it to go, doing things no one expected it to be able to do, changing people in ways no one expected them to be able to be changed because they were a brand new creation. This is the story of the birth of God's new creation community. And then secondly, we see the growth of God's new com creation community. After the Spirit came, we see that the church spread all across the known world. In fact, in the many ways, the book of Acts 
is a description or a, an amplification of Acts 1.8 when Jesus said, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where they were right then. In Judea, that's like their state, their province, their area, their neighborhood, their country. And in Samaria, that is the neighboring country, a cross-cultural type of thing, across ethnic and, 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 uh, uh, and um uh, ethnic and geographic boundaries and in Samaria and then he said under the uttermost parts of the earth and sure enough you could more or less outline the book of Acts by that very thing because we see the gospel moving out moving out quickly quickly you try to squelch it it grows up somewhere else like weeds you try to kill it just keeps growing everywhere it goes and, and they try to persecute the church they scatter everybody they, uh, they go off they think oh that'll take care of it but everywhere people went they began to talk about Jesus and some of them who didn't know any better started to tell Jesus, talk about Jesus to the wrong kind of people, those Gentile people who didn't have the Jewish laws. And so the church had to go check it out, see what's going on. Is this legit or not? And sure enough, they said, this, these people, I see evidence of the grace of God. And so the church began to spread. Ultimately, where do you find the gospel in the book of Acts? We see Paul preaching the gospel in Rome, unhindered. The last word in Acts unhindered oh he's in prison he's house under house arrest but that didn't stop him he was there preaching under the nose of caesar himself about the true king of all the earth jesus the crucified criminal messiah who rose from the dead this jewish messiah the king of all the earth he's preaching under the nose of the most powerful king in all the earth at that time and within a couple of hundred years rome was gone but the gospel continued to survive even until today fantastic growth in this new creation community and in many ways the whole rest of the new testament tells us about these various communities that developed and the words that god had to say uh, to them so let's look then thirdly we've seen the birth of god's new creation community and the growth of god's new creation community and then in this particular passage the characteristics of god's new creation community what are god's new creation people like there are four characteristics that are in this text which cheryl read for you today these god's new creation people are devoted to the word of god they are supported by the family of god they are nourished by the gospel of god and they are empowered by the presence of god first of all god's new creation people are devoted to the word of God. Did you hear what it says there in that summary statement in the, in the 42nd verse of that, uh, of that text where it says, let me read it particularly. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. These words give us characteristics of that community. They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. That's devotion to the word of God. These were people that were eager to know what it was that Jesus had said. They maybe hadn't heard him teach, but that's what the disciples were called to do, was to be teachers of the, of the things that Jesus had taught them uh, uh, the, the, so they could teach them. And so these people were devoted to the word of God. And so how does it apply to us as a church? Here at this church, we are devoted to teaching the scriptures Faithfully, faithfully, we read it together as a community as we gather. I do my best to 
unpack it for you so that you can understand what it meant in those days and what it means for us today because we are people of the book and this is our book and like it or not this is the truth about the way the world really is and how it best functions so we try to teach it faithfully we also try to teach it respectfully respectfully we understand that there's not a common understanding of the truth of God's word in our culture today we believe that God's word is so beautiful in the story that it tells that you can't help but be drawn to it. But we're respectful, and we know that if you don't yet buy into the truths of God's word, you will someday. You will someday. Just keep learning the scriptures. Keep opening yourself up to the scriptures. Keep, keep letting God's word soak his way into your life, and you will see in your heart that these are the words of life. We try to teach it faithfully, respectfully. We also try to respect the wider church tradition here. There was no denominational name around us, so we're free. We try to respect you wherever you come from, whatever view of communion or baptism or uh, women or, uh, or the end times or uh, all these kinds of things. We try to find that balance between teaching clearly what the scriptures say clearly, but allowing freedom on areas which might be important but are not absolutely essential to the gospel. Yes, it's a balancing act that we believe God has called us to. We're committed to the authority of Scripture, and, uh, uh, and we trust the Word of God too much to try to make it say what it doesn't clearly say. So we try to teach it and respect the tradition that you might be, uh, might be on. We teach it faithfully and carefully. And so we encourage you to be a, a hearer of the Word of God and to be a doer of the Word of God and to seek, your, seek to build your life on the foundation of God's word. I mean, I've been a pastor now. I've been, I discovered earlier this year that I was licensed as a minister 40 years ago, a long time ago. I've never done what I've been doing here this past year. I've, been, I've just teaching through the whole Bible, two years. Two years we were taking to go through the whole Bible. See this great grand story and what an enriching story it's been for me. I hope you come every week that you can to hear more and more about this story of what God has revealed to us in Scripture and the ultimate word of God who is Jesus Christ who died and rose again for us. Seek to make the word of God your foundation. The first characteristic of this God's, God's new, new creation community is they were devoted to the word of God. Secondly, they were supported by the family of God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Yes, this was a group to gather. They were committed to one another. They had a bond. One of the things I enjoyed doing while I was here was visiting my brother and his family. They're missionaries in, in Michigan area, and I had not been to their home. And, and uh, I loved being with Scott and Sharon and also was his family, his son that got married, and, and to be with their family because we're brothers. We're born into the same family. We share the same parents. We have people, whenever they meet us, they say, I can tell you're brothers, you know. People can always tell. Yes, because we have bloodlines which make us connected. But we also have a spiritual bloodline which makes he and I connected and she and I connected. Ironically, Scott and I both met our wives in our church youth group in high school. 
We've been together with our wives since we were in high school. We didn't get married in high school. We're not that weird. But we did get married when we were about 20 or so years old. And here we are. Having, I remember Sharon. I've known his wife longer than I've known my wife. She, I remember going to her house when I was probably seven or eight years old, and she was probably four or five. You know, our parents were friends long ago. So we have a connection because of the gospel of Christ. And we need to be connected to one another. As I said earlier, we're not saved as individuals only, but we're saved to be part of a family. What does that mean for you? If you're just sort of shopping around for churches, finding, don't do that anymore. Find a home. Land there. Say, this is the place where God, where I want to be fed, where I want to serve, where I want to be part of a mission that's bigger than myself. Wherever it is. Land there. We don't have any formal membership here at our church. Maybe we will someday. I don't know. But I've been in churches with membership, and I didn't think it meant too much most of the places I ever saw it. So I thought, yeah, you know, and we tease and say, buy the church at the chip shirt, you're a member, don't we, Barbara? But that's not the truth, actually. Um, it, it, just get involved and commit your heart to our church family or to whatever church family God has made you part of. Be connected as a community. Get involved in one of the small groups. We have... Uh, we're going to have several small groups this fall, one on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday evening, maybe more, uh, that will be going on. And we'll be talking about those in the next week or so. Uh, some of them are still going on right now. A few of them are starting up again in, in September. But get involved in a, a, a small group. And if you've never been baptized as a testimony of your faith in Christ, we'd love to baptize you as a way of giving public profession of your faith in Christ. If you're interested in that, fill your information card, drop it in the bucket, and uh, I'll be sure to contact you uh, uh, about that. They were supported by the family of God. And then finally, or thirdly rather, they were, uh, uh, excuse me, I lost my notes here. They were nourished by the gospel of God, nourished by the God and the breaking of bread. What does that mean? They committed themselves to the uh, apostles teaching the fellowship and the breaking of bread. Does that just mean they enjoyed eating together? No, although it says it in other passages that they did that. The breaking uh, uh, in that text as well. But when it says the breaking of bread, they were speaking about the Lord's table, which we will observe here even today. The breaking of the bread is the Lord's table. What is the Lord's table? But the remembrance of the death and resurrection of Jesus, the gospel story about a God who loved me enough to give his life for me, to bring to me new life and forgiveness for my sins. Yes, they were nourished by the taking of their table. It was a reminder of the grace of God. They, uh, the, it was a reminder of God's love for them. And this is the gospel. And they wanted to be reminded of it always, always, every time they gathered. And so too do we. Not just to get converted, though of course we want to get converted as well. But life itself is shaped by the gospel. The gospel is what can inform me and shape me and help me to not give myself away to things that don't matter. So I can be nourished by the gospel. If you've never responded to the good news of the gospel, do that today. Maybe even as we receive the Lord's table. And teach yourself the gospel when you find yourself looking for uh, approval from other people and giving away your values in order to gain approval from other people. Say, wait a minute, I've been approved by the God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't need their approval. I need God's approval, and I have it. You see, preach the gospel to yourself. Yes. 
And then the fourth thing it says, and the breaking of bread and of prayer. They were a community of prayer. Prayer is the means by which we open up heaven to earth. When Jesus said, be, uh, uh, give us this day, uh, 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 that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Become through prayer a heaven on earth kind of person. Know that you can actually speak to the God of the heavens through prayer and that we can do that together. Yes, these people were faithful. This new community, they had no idea what was going to come out of their fellowship. They had just heard this story that reminded them of their, their guilt, but God's forgiveness because of what Jesus had done. And they responded in faith to that, and they found themselves empowered by his Holy Spirit and part of a new family. And the faithfulness of that small group of people literally changed the whole world. And here we sit. 2017, in a day too hot, and a preacher far too long-winded, who will not quit. And what is it, what is it that will change this world? It will change through this gospel story, being faithful in this community. We have no idea what will come out of our faithfulness, but God does, and he's with us all the way as we are strengthened by uh, the, 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 the uh, devoted to the word of God, supported by the family of God, nourished by the gospel of God, and empowered by the presence of God. Let's have prayer as we close. Lord Jesus Christ, I think about this story in Acts. I'm so impressed that you were able to take this fledgling group who, against all odds, we're able to change the world. And I think about ourselves. We've come so far in the few years we've been here as a church. And yet, we have so far to go. We're still a young church. We thank you for this picture, postcard of the early church. We're thankful for what came out of it. And I pray you'd help us to respond in faith to it. We can come to you just as we are. That we can believe that you are doing something good in and among us. That we can sign up to be a part of that great story. That even our small little ringing of the bell goes down over the waves. And invites people to see this story. We ask this in Jesus' name. <laughs>